0: The following is a presentation of Main Street Preps,
1: your source for high school sports in Middle Tennessee.
0: This is Coach Beak with Brady and Zach, covering Montgomery and Sumner County football. Here are your hosts, Brady McAtamney and Zach Womble.
1: Hey everybody and welcome back to week two of Coach Speak. My name is Brady McTamney. I cover Montgomery County sports here in Montgomery County, Tennessee. And I am Zach
0: Womble. I cover Sumner County sports for three different publications under the Main Street Preps umbrella.
1: That is the Gallatin News, the Hendersonville Standard, and the Portland Sun. And we got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to start by recapping some of last week's games from opening week of football season. And also, we'll be joined by two head coaches. Portland head coach Wes Inman
0: joins the show. Clarksville head coach Isaac Shelby joins the show. And, of course, we close out the
1: podcast with our week two pick-ems. And don't don't forget, stick around for our debut of our Player of the Week segment. So looking at uh, August 20th, of course, that was opening week of the 2021 football season. I know I had a good time. Uh, Let's look at uh, some of the scores from that day. Um, So starting off... Kenwood football uh, hosted Hillwood, and I know Kenwood was was probably going to have a pretty good offense this year, but I didn't know that they were going to come out to the tune of a 65-7 to win over Hillwood. I saw that score, and I thought it was a typo immediately. I thought it was a typo. You would think so, but nope, they just absolutely dominated. Um, Going down the line, uh, Clarksville Academy had a really good debut week under head coach Scott Murray in his first season, uh, defeating uh, First Assembly Christian 30-10. to um, of course, we're going to talk to uh, Isaac Shelby here in a bit. But uh, Clarksville got the win over McGavick, twenty-one to six. Northwest had a bit of a rough outing. They faced Stewart County, who is a good football team, uh, but they lost thirty-five to zero. And Rossview had a low-scoring affair, eventually losing to Wilson Central, seventeen to three. And unfortunately, Montgomery Central got a COVID win—not the kind of way you want to get the win. Um, but they ended up not playing this week. Can I just go ahead and make a public apology
0: to you, Brady? And to the Montgomery <laughs> County fans, listen. I, I didn't mean to. I unintentionally talked Brady into changing his pick, but he initially, initially went with with Wilson Central over Rossview, and then saw my pick, talked to me, and I unfortunately plagued his mind and and let uh, led him down the road to picking uh, Rossview. So really, in fact, actually, I, I should be apologizing to the Wilson Central faithful, not not the Rossview faithful. Because uh, Brady would have picked you guys if it wasn't for me, so I, I apologize for that.
1: Yeah, kids, don't give in to peer pressure.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Yeah, don't li- don't listen to that dummy Zach on on the uh, Coach Speak <laughs> Pod. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's hear about some of your scores.
0: Yeah, so uh, a, a great week, as you said. I mean, just having high school football back is mm. so much fun, right, Brady? I mean, I yeah. think we both can agree that there's no better feeling that, than a Friday night. I think when I woke up last week, it was just. It was almost like Christmas morning. You know, the air air was fresher. Uh, the The sun wasn't so hot. It was just it was just yep. a nice morning. It was a nice feeling to have, to have high school football back. Most
1: importantly, the rain didn't come
0: until later. You're right. That's that's exactly right. The rain the rain held off, so we are grateful for that. Uh, Sumner County scores. Beach hosted Farragut. In what was a uh, non-traditional out-of-conference game? The Bucks actually beat the Admirals twenty to seven. It was seven to nothing with two minutes and forty-five seconds in the fourth quarter. Beaches defense scoop and score a thirty-one-yard touchdown, uh, touchdown fumble recovery. Then they get a stop, score on offense to make it twenty to seven, make it a little bit more lopsided than it was. Mm-hmm. But apparently that was a really good game to be at. Um, Oakland dominated Hendersonville to the tune of forty-two to seven. I think we both kind
1: of agreed on that. That yeah. Oakland
0: is just on a different level than everybody else, right?
1: Yeah, that, that's like if you uh, are facing, you know, an NFL team as a, as a college team in a scrimmage almost. And you know, that's not to take anything away from Hendersonville. Oakland is just goodness gracious. It's just is what it is at this point. Um, Galton struggled on the road, losing to Mount Juliet thirty
0: four to thirteen. I think their offense just was unable to move the ball. I know Mount Juliet. I think finished thirteen of fifteen passing, which. Sure we. I mean, I don't know what those percentages are. I'm not a math guy, but I know it's over ninety percent, and that's that's just pretty high. Yeah, that's not going to get it done if if you're a defense. And the crazy thing is, the Gallatin defense may be the best unit on their team, but the problem is Brady. I don't know if they're ever going to get enough rest to be effective. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: You want to you want to keep those guys off the field for you know a little bit of time.
0: Yeah, and, you know, unfortunately, they're going to get some rest this week. And You know, I'll hit on this a little bit more in a minute, but Gallatin Blackman for next week has been canceled due to COVID on the Gallatin side. Uh, so, you know, they'll get some rest this week, unfortunately. JP2 dominated Hillsboro 49-28. to That game was 49-7 to at halftime. was not yeah. close. Uh, Hillsborough ones were obviously better than the JP2 j- junior varsity team, uh, which, which is why they have – 21 points scored in the second half. JP two looked phenomenal on offense. Kenny Minchie is apparently the real deal and, uh, and it's garnered, uh, or has earned the, uh, preseason accolades that he has received. He has earned the, uh, notice that he has gotten from high division one, uh, schools. So excited yeah. to see how Pope plays out this year and, and finishes out the season. Uh, before I hit on my game, Station Camp fourteen, White House seven. Congratulations to the Bison for snapping their twenty four game regular season losing streak. I of course picked White House to win last week, so uh, that was my only blemish on, on my pick them.
1: Yeah, hey you, uh, you, you love to see them breaking that that losing streak, right? I mean, absolutely, that's, that's exciting for the kids. Absolutely, and, and and to close it out,
0: the game that I was at, Portland thirty four, Westmoreland thirty one. Incredible football game, uh, poor, or excuse me, Westmoreland claws back to tie it at 28 in the final two minutes of the fourth quarter. They're going to get the ball back. They look like they're going to. They have all the momentum in the world to go score and win this game. Unfortunately, Eli Stafford, who had a phenomenal game, had over 100 yards of total offense, two scores for the Eagles, was such a good player on my preseason team. He muffs a punt. Portland recovers, gives them the opportunity to get a quick six-yard strike to move up further. Nick Averett, shout out Nick Averett, thirty-five yard field goal to win it uh, as time expired. Just a really fun game, a really fun atmosphere to be at. Yeah,
1: that's that's a good way to start the season. Um, unfortunate for Westmoreland, but hey, at least at least you got a fun game, right? Exactly, exactly. And if I'm yeah. being selfish, that's all I can ask for, right? Absolutely. And um, of course, I'd be remiss to not mention the game I was at. I was at Northeast High School where they faced West Creek. Um, To be completely honest, I wasn't expecting a close game from this one. Uh, Northeast is um, a pretty good football team. They went to the uh, state quarterfinals last year, and West Creek, unfortunately, is still kind of setting up some building blocks at the moment. They got some good athletes, and that actually showed when they jumped out to a 12-0 lead uh, early on. And I think the entire stadium was shocked because – Truthfully, I don't know if even West Creek would have expected that they would jump out to that kind of advantage. Um, they, in one of their touchdowns, it was funny. It was right in front of me on the sideline and uh, right in front of me and my photographer, Robert Smith. Um, it was one of those situations where the DB tackles the receiver, kind of spins him around, but the whistle doesn't blow because, you know, I, the ref doesn't see his knee go down. So everyone's just kind of standing there. Um, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the West Creek guy just starts running toward the end zone and all the refs are just kind of looking at each other. All the uh, defensive players are just looking at each other and suddenly it's a touchdown. Um, you know, my photographer shows me his camera. He shows me the tackle. The knee wasn't down. It, it, it was a touchdown, so it it was it became 12 nothing, and then three plays later, Northeast is leading 14-12. to It was insane. Wow. Three plays later. um, They scored a touchdown, first play from scrimmage, recovered a fumble, scored another touchdown. It was insane. Um, And they ended up winning that game 62 to 18. Goodness gracious. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. And um, I think that's a good way to segue into uh, naming a couple players of the week because both of mine are coming from that Northeast team from the uh, nominations that I got. One on offense, one on defense. Um, Starting on offense, we have Cameron Athie. He's a running back, ironically a transfer, from West Creek. He had 16 carries, 114 yards, two touchdowns, and get this, five two-point conversions. Goodness gracious. Yeah, they uh, don't really have a kicker, but when you got a running back who can uh, get into the end zone like that from two yards out, who needs one, right? Yeah, seriously. (laughs) And then on the defensive side for the Eagles – uh, Breon White, they call him the snow. Uh, he had eight tackles, two tackles for loss and three picks. Wow. Should we? Yeah. yeah. He, kid had himself a game. Uh, you got to give him credit. So uh, those, those, those are going to be, uh, my, you know, kind of co-players of the week uh, on, uh, on, uh, the gridiron for this week.
0: So I kind of have the same situation as you do, Brady, but a little different, you know, I have an offensive player and a defensive player, but... but- so, how do you choose between uh, a running back who went 21 carries, 159 yards, two touchdowns, and to Jalen Perot for Portland, mm-hmm. and then how do you compare that to Nick Averett, who knocks home the 35-yard game-winning field goal as time expires? <sighs> so, you know, they both need each other, right? Because if Nick oh, okay. Averett doesn't connect 4 for 4 on his extra points, maybe they're not in that position to tie the game, right? So, mm-hmm. I kind of have to go co-player of the game right there. I mean, it's just they kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, but – on offense, Jalen Perot was I mean, he ran like a madman. Like I said, 159 yards, two touchdowns on twenty one carries. But to that same tune, their offensive line paved the way for three hundred and three yards on the ground against West Portland. I mean, that's that's a great, great game for yeah. the entire offensive unit. But Jalen Perot uh stood out for that. And then Nick Averett stepping up, four for four on the extra points, knocking home the thirty five yard game winning field goal as time expired. I mean, that's 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 awesome. I mean, that's 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 what high school football is all about. So I had a hard time splitting splitting hairs there. So I'm going with both of those kids. Yeah, and well, then on the defensive side of the football, I'm giving it to Tyler Nix. Beach safety. Listen, I said it just a minute ago. It's a 7-7 game with over two minutes left in the fourth quarter. He scoops a fumble recovery, races 31 yards for the touchdown, puts Beach up 14-7. to Basically, the game is in hand at that point. Oh, yeah. He added eight tackles from his safety spot. Tyler Nix, defensive player of the week for me. Nick Averett slash Jalen Perot, offensive player slash special teams player of the week
1: for me. Yeah, that scoop and score. I mean, I know this is a little bit of a cliche, but that just it seems like a total gut punch. Oh, man. I mean, it's a game changer at that point, right? I mean, because no all of a sudden,
0: Farragut's got the football on their 31. It looks like they're driving. They picked up a couple first downs. They cough it up. Opportunistic defense scoops, scores and you've got a new ball game at that point. And, and then Farragut gets the ball. They have to give it away. Beach comes down, scores a touchdown, and all of a sudden it's 20-7. to seven.
1: Yeah, that, that's all she wrote.
0: And, and to be honest with you, Brady, I've covered Sumner County for since 2017, and Beach, they just win football games like that every year it seems like. I mean, I could go back to every season I've covered them and find one or two, maybe three games where it's like you're, you scratch your head and you're like, how did they win that game? Like they were in no position to win that game. And yet somehow they've got a W in the column. I mean, just credit to, to that beach staff or, you know, just the mentality that they have, have instilled in their players to just that never give up attitude and always trying to be opportunistic and find a way to win.
1: It's time to talk to one of the longest tenured head coaches here in Montgomery County, Isaac Shelby, um, he has been at Clarksville High for years now and has built them into a very, very good program. Uh, they're taking on the Springfield Yellow Jackets this week after getting a win against McGavick on Friday, August 20th. Let's get into it. We are here now with Isaac Shelby, head coach of the 1-0 Clarksville Wildcats. Isaac has been coaching in Clarksville for quite a long time. Uh, he was at uh, Northeast and now at Clarksville. Uh, Isaac, how you doing? Pretty good. How's it going, guys? We're doing all right. So... Um the Wildcats are coming off a, a good win against McGavock on Friday. Um Isaac, I know you guys had uh some questions going into that game namely with uh Devin Geringer your starting quarterback being out for the season. Um so with that being the first game what were some uh things that you guys were trying to do um without really having that dedicated thrower. Um I mean we were,
2: we just tried to play to the you know the ability of our kids and I think that's the interesting thing about high school you know it's if it were college, I would have gone and had a backup that was just like that, if mean, you know possible, and you don't change anything. But um, high school is a little bit different. You got to play with what you have. So I think that's interesting. It's one of the fun parts of our job.
0: Uh, Coach Rayshon Brink, or excuse me, Rayshon Bowling scores three times against the Raiders. What makes him such a special back?
2: Um, he's ultra competitive. Um, he's a really tough kid. He's a good athlete. Um he's just a good overall player. You know, he's got a little power, he's got a little speed. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, he does a really good job with that.
1: Yeah. And I know you guys also have Jamar Carnell, Chris Bagatini and some other guys capable of running the ball as well. Do you think that, uh, their abilities help open things up for a guy like Rayshon?
2: I think so. You know, um, he's got some good guys around him. Um, I think Chris is one of the most underrated players in the district. Um, He's a really really good really really good football player um as an back he, he does a lot for our team and um he's the only guy I've ever had the back-to-back two-year unanimous captain selection. Coach, uh,
0: you know, you you mentioned the the adversity that your team has going through losing your starting quarterback heading into week 1. I'm curious, what did you learn about your team after Friday night's victory at McGavick?
2: Um McGavick's really talented um you know, it, the, you know those the, the new coach there. I don't really know him, but um, you know, we we made our deal with Coach Gore in the off season. But he's a uh, you know he's doing the right thing with the kids. Um, they're playing hard. Um, you know, I thought our tempo got him a little bit in the second half, but um, they're doing a good job.
1: Yeah, and. uh after this McGavin game, you guys are coming up on a pair of rivalry games with uh, an old rivalry coming up this week against Springfield and, of course, week three, uh, hosting Ross you. Um, how much do, uh, does that week win mean heading into a couple games that um, mean this much?
2: Um, I don't, I don't think it really means a lot, to be honest with you. It's probably not the answer you're looking for, but I think every <laughs> week is its own week, you know? Um, I don't mm-hmm. think last week any had any bearing or had any bearing on successes or failures of this week really. Um so I just think they're their own deals, you know. Um it's uh I just don't think I don't think there's a lot of layover in football. I think there's more layover in basketball and baseball when you play like back to back and you're right, you know, you play today mm-hmm. and then you turn around and play tomorrow and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I don't think in football it makes a big difference,
1: honestly. Yeah, really that that weekend between things really doesn't leave much room for layover.
0: No. Right. Coach, Coach Shelby, I, I started my Middle Tennessee beat uh, in Robertson County in 2015, so I'm, I'm pretty familiar with the the Springfield program. Uh, mm-hmm. And that game with, with, with you two dates back a long, long time. Uh, what can you tell our listeners who may be not familiar with that game what they can expect from a contest like that on Friday night?
2: Um, I think it's the ninety seventh meeting for the two teams. Um, you know, I played in the game, my dad played in the game, you know. Um it's just a it's a it's a long it's a long, long rivalry with two really proud communities that are that are, you know, gonna play hard and play tough and you know, it's a really exciting it's an exciting game to me. Um means a lot for means a lot for the people that have graduated in like the sixties and seventies.
0: Is that the most important game on your schedule?
2: Uh depends on who you ask. Um, I was telling somebody earlier, uh, the most important game on our schedule for people that are like my dad's age is Springfield and Gallatin. I think the most important game for people that graduated in the 80s is like Dixon. And then the most important game for people that graduated in the 90s is Northeast. And then in the 2000s is Rossview. So probably depends on audience, to be honest with you.
1: That's really the fun thing about Clarksville High, isn't it? It's just all the different rivalries, all the different eras that the school has gone through.
2: Yeah, um, it, it's really cool. You know, it, it's just – it's different when you talk to different people. You know, like my dad gets all super fired up about Springfield, but like <laughs> Rossview, like he doesn't really – like he's not overly excited about that game um, because he graduated when – I mean, Rossview wasn't around then. Um, But, like, when you talk to Mr. Carney or Mr. Rice or Mr. Stokes or, like, those people, um, you know, that's the games that they all circle. But when you talk to a different age group of people, um, you know, it's different.
1: Right, absolutely. And then uh, I'm sure you guys have, you know, gotten started looking at Springfield, watching some film from their last game. Um, They had a a really good week against Greenbrier uh, Mm -hmm. last week. Um, What have you guys seen from them uh, uh, on film so far?
2: I think they're really tough. I think Dustin does a really good job with that program and has since he took it over. Um, and he, you know they've got some they've got some incredible players, but I think their culture is really good. I think um, they play hard together, and it'll be a super big challenge for us.
0: Coach, I want to go back to the McGavick game real quick because one thing that stands out is you take a seven to six lead into the break, and then you shut them out in the second half. I'm very curious what the defensive game plan was coming out of the locker room or what those talks were like with your D.C. in the locker room?
2: Um, We're really lucky. Taylor Stanley is our defensive coordinator. I wouldn't trade him for the world. I think he works really, really hard. Does a really good job. Um, You know, we had to make sure, you know, McGavick has some really, really incredible skill players. So we had to make sure to keep those guys in check. Um, I think number seven for McGavick, um, I think he's a college football player. I just don't know. uh, I don't know where he's going, but he's a big-time player. So, you know, we just had to – uh we had to stay in front of those guys and we had to tackle good and the stuff we work on every day and fundamentally we were pretty good Friday, but you know, like I said, there's there's no real layover. I don't know what's gonna happen this Friday, so um that's kind of a different deal. Uh, you know, offensively we moved the ball pretty good. Uh we fumbled once on the fumbled once on the one, um, stalled out one time in the red zone. Uh that's kind of our big focus right now. is getting better in that situational area. Um, we talked to the kids. all. I told them the other day, like, if there were a gold medal for getting to the one, we would probably, <laughs> uh, we'd be the heavy favorite on that. We did it, like, three times in the Jamboree and didn't score from that spot. So, um, you know, it's a big challenge for our offensive line, at our backs, quarterbacks, and receivers to, you know, score the football. Because getting to the one gets you zero points in the game we play.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, do you think that 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 ability to get so deep onto the field, but maybe the the, you know, having the tough time to actually punch it in. Do you think that that has anything to do with not having you know like a true quarterback? You know, it, it kind of maybe allows the defenses to stack the box a little bit.
2: I don't think so. I think it's just you know I don't think you know I don't think I coached it good enough at that point, and we didn't, either I didn't coach it good enough or we didn't play it good enough. One of the two. Um, but I don't, I don't really think so. I, I think the thing about the quarterback is Davin is super, super experienced at that position. You know, he's been doing it for since. You know, he played game one as a freshman. You know, he's got a bunch of experience, and uh, we're kind of missing that. I mean, we're you know, Rayshon's got a lot of experience in his own right, but uh, not at that position. So it's just kind of a different animal. But I believe in the kids. I believe in our coaches. and I think we'll get that fixed. Oh. Sorry, I think we'll get that fixed.
1: Right, and then um, one last thing, we got uh, – now that you're in 6A, you, you're going to be facing a lot of Sumner County teams, That's uh, and that is Zach's area. So for Sumner County schools that might not be super familiar with Clarksville High, uh, what can you tell them about the program, what they can expect to see from the Purple um, and Gold?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's gone, it's gone back and forth, honestly, recently. I mean, when when we've been in 6A, like when I was assistant at Marshall High before – um, we crossed that beach quite a bit. And when I was at Northeast, we crossed beach and Henderson and Gallatin in the playoffs. So we've all played or, you know, I've coached there before. Uh, it's a really good environment, um, tough brand of football. And, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to bring the same, uh, you know, the same tough brand of football, you know, back to them. But, you know, Sumner County is a different animal and, uh, you know, they just, you know, they've got state championship expectations and, and we have to get to that point and, you know, that's a, that's a tough, uphill climb, find, but, you know, our goal is to get to, to that, to that point that Beach and, and there's and villain, are at right now.
1: Absolutely. Well, uh, Isaac, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I know you have a podcast of your own. If uh, you sure. want to plug that real quick.
2: Um, I'm not really good with technology, so I, I don't really know how to plug that. Um, but uh, we do do a podcast with one of our uh, assistant coaches. He, he does some stuff at Austin P. Um, think Ethan Schmidt, um, you know, we kind of talk each week about the game there. A lot of it's for the parents and, you know, just kind of see, uh, you know, for them to see kind of what's going on a little bit. But uh, it's, it's kind of fun. And, and, you know, we just take a little bit of time on Sundays usually to to talk and just, you know, kind of you know, talk about the week before and what's coming up and what the parents should expect.
1: Awesome. So well, uh, you, might have
2: to, you might have to plug it for me, Brady, because I don't really know how to do all that stuff.
1: I can do that. It's it's the uh, yeah. Isaac Shelby uh, Coach Show, something called something like that, right?
2: Yeah, it's something like that. I'm not sure. Um,
1: yeah, I just, look up look I up uh, Isaac I, Shelby.
2: I, I just answered the phone on Sunday, on a, I think it's on our Twitter <laughs> or something. If I can That's if I can enough. do email, if I can do email, I'm doing good. Anything past email,
1: uh, I kind of struggle with. Hey, no problem, man. We've all we, we've all got our uh, our struggles. But uh, basically, hey, just look up Isaac Shelby. If, if you're interested in listening on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, I'm sure it'll come up. There's probably not that many musicians out there with that name. But uh, Isaac, man, thanks again for joining us. Uh, really good to talk hey. to you, and uh, best of luck on Friday. No
2: problem. Thanks for what you guys do for high school
0: football. Up next on Coach Speak, Portland head coach Wes Inman joins the show to talk about the Panthers' upcoming game against the East Hamilton Hurricanes. He, of course, recaps the big Week 1 victory, 31-28, over the Westmoreland Eagles. So let's dive right into it. Portland coming off a huge 31-28 to victory over their Sumner County rival, the Westmoreland Eagles. Coach, welcome in. Morning, how are you? I'm doing very good. And I'd imagine you're doing very well, aren't you?
3: I am. A little tired. We stayed up at the school until about 2.30 last night. Uh for folks that know what an intercut copy is with the end zone shot and the, the wide angle shot from the stands. We, we spliced it together. It ended up being about 170 something plays. So you go 170 times two uh, times, however many times we rewound it and uh, watched it. So we were up there a while. Uh, It was a lot of fun. Um, Still like super proud of our kids. Like, Just everything, the way that it went down last night was was just amazing.
0: Yeah, that's the first thing I want to ask you today is, why was last night's win so important for your culture?
3: Well, I think every coach will talk about this and everybody's experienced it at some time in their coaching career. When you get kids who jump out to a lead, but then that lead diminishes – and there's a possibility of losing the game or going into overtime and possibly losing, you, you really find out what the kids are made of. Our kids never quit fighting. Conversely, their kids never quit fighting either. Um, you know, so it, it sort of becomes a battle of wills at that point, and then whoever can capitalize and make the play. And we were able to do that when we recovered the fumbled punt but then the headsiness of our kids to spike that ball and then set up the field goal and and uh, you know sort of ride off into the sunset that is one of the things that we wanted to see is that our kids are not going to be quitters and i hate to use that word because it's so cliche these days but they're not going to stop doing what they believe they need to do to win right up to the last Two point three seconds of a game, and now we know that's a truth about ourselves. That's a truth about ourselves that people cannot take away, because we have the evidence to prove it. Now we just have to continue building on it.
0: Yeah, the last thirty seconds that you uh, reference—the quick pass from from Braden Thornton to Braylon Dowlin, the rush up to the line, get the spike in, of course, kick the field goal. I mean, that's very good clock management by your team. There's a lot of professional teams that don't have good clock management is that something that you spend a lot of time on in practice
3: you know it's something it's I call it an area of refinement for me Uh, I have good assistant coaches always say help me on the clock Uh, everybody has their particular strength Uh, Grant West and Brody Reeves Uh, Grant is our outside linebacker wingback coach special teams coach and Brody Reeves is a defensive coordinator I think they both have a good feel for that. And I think I have a good feel for listening to them because uh, I'll get to watch the, the action a lot of times. And uh, sorry, I have people out here yelling now that I stepped outside. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, listening to them, uh, they keep a real close eye on it. We talk about those things in practice. Every time we do a field goal, or a PAT where 10, 9, 8, 7, whatever it is. So we do work on it, but our communication on the sidelines, I think, helps uh, more with that than anything else.
0: Speaking of Coach Reeves and that defensive side of the football, uh, you know, they forced three turnovers last night, a huge goal line stand by the the defensive unit. What does he bring to that side of the football uh, as a coach?
3: He's got a lot of passion He's a very intelligent young man. He's got the six years of working at Bethel University. Uh, he's worked with some really good coaches. His preparation is good, and his, his eye for detail. Very keen eye for detail.
0: So you mentioned that you've been able to watch a little bit of the film. I, I'm curious to know what your grade would be for your guys.
3: You know, I, we were talking about it. I'm going to have to at worst say an a minus and, uh, at best probably an a, and I'll tell you why it all hinged upon the effort that they put forth. And, uh, we had pretty consistent holes, uh, through most of the night. And, uh, you know, even a three yard gain, three yard gain is a testament to the linemen getting their job done and a back hitting the hole. Um, with the with the level of grittiness that Westmoreland plays with, and their level of execution, I just you know I got to give our kids a a pretty high mark after last night. Now, do we need to get better? Of course we did, but all things being relative, uh, I think uh, I think they put an A plus effort or an A at least an A effort uh, last night.
0: You know, speaking of that offensive line, I don't remember very many negative plays for your bunch. Um, maybe you were hit at the line a couple times for a no game, but for the most part, you were getting one, two, three yards. You know, Braylon Dowlin, Jalen Perot each had over hundred yards, but you had other guys, Mason Swanger, uh, Freddie Paxton carry the ball. What has I guess that 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 unit shown you this preseason just to give the confidence that you have in them?
3: Well, you know all but one of them across the board, including the tight end were starters last year and the level of understanding assignments. uh, We, we have added some plays and we've modified a few things, but because of the background, they picked it up really quickly. Uh, I think their overall intelligence, their uh, communication with one another is excellent and they're gritty. Like if, uh, you go across the board if you were to get on the film and watch some individual battles like several times last night. We were like, Wow, look at number fifty-two, Charles Baird. He is he is he is fighting the kid right now. Or or look at Robert, man. Robert just got a pancake. That's our center, Robert Ferguson. They're just were we've seen quite a bit of that through the preseason, but it doesn't surprise me because I saw a lot of elements of that with him last year as well.
0: Describe your locker room uh, atmosphere after the game.
3: Oh my goodness. It was like a party. One of my, uh, uh, coaches, the younger fella coach Moore, he still has some break dancing skills <laughs> as opposed to me where if I were to dance like that, I would probably break. Uh, he'll, uh, he'll go in every once in a while and he'll do some eighties break dancing, uh, with some of the kids and they just, they get a kick out of it. And that was the first thing they demanded when they got back was to see coach Moore uh, dance. They did not, however, ask me to dance, but uh, I sure didn't want to see him doing the moonwalk or whatever else he was doing.
0: As a journalist, it's important to ask good follow-up questions. So I'll ask you this: Is there a video of said break dancing?
3: Uh, you know what? There very well could be. I'll uh, have to. I'll have to see if one of the kids can can send it to me.
0: We might have to get our hands on. We might have to get our hands on that video. Wes, your your first win last night as the head coach of Portland. What'd you do with that game ball?
3: So it is in my office and, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put it up on the little stands that the, uh, that they put the footballs on uh, when, when you have a game ball situation. Uh, you know, I didn't know they were going to do that. Uh, coach Adams that used to be on our staff, who's the defensive coordinator at Greenwood told one of the coaches, he said, uh, just go make sure that you give coach Inman the, The game ball. He and I are really good friends. Greenwood actually had a tremendous night last night beating Spring Hill. Um, You know, I wanted to give it to the team, if you ask me, or Nick Averett with the kick that he came through with. But it was a touching moment. And I definitely, definitely, I'm going to hang on to that.
0: You know, Wes, it wasn't just one guy, two guys, three guys last night that made big plays for you. It was everybody on the field. It, it, at any given moment, you had big plays made. Uh, obviously, a win always gives your team confidence, but the way that they were able to pull it out, the guys who were able to make the plays, everyone who made the plays, how much extra confidence do you think they gained from a win like that?
3: I, You know, I told them after the game, if we would have won by three touchdowns, I don't think that would have meant as much for the continual building of our character and our team character as the way we won last night. With 2.3 seconds, 37-yard field goal, a young man who's in his first year starting as a kicker ends up pegging it, and that gives us the win. I mean, that has to make them feel good to say, hey, we're just going to keep playing. What happened two plays ago is gone. The only thing I have right now is the play in front of me.
0: Coach, before we get you out of here, I've got to ask about East Hamilton. Hurricanes come to town next week. Do you know anything about them? And if you do know some stuff, what can you tell the Panther fans?
3: They are a very good football team. they I don't recall what the score was, but it was two or, two or three scores, I believe. They beat Udawah, uh, and I don't know a lot about Udawah other than historically they've been a tough team. I know football teams from that area tend to be big, physical, and well coached. Um, I know they can throw the ball. Well, they spread you out more. It won't look like a, a battle of the wing tees this uh, coming week. You're going to see a team that spreads out more throws. Well, what I know and what I've seen pretty darn sound on defense too. So uh, I just, you know, I think uh, if, if we're going to get a win, we're going to have to earn it. But conversely, uh, if they're going to come in and get a win, they're going to have to earn it too. So I would expect to see two teams fighting their hearts out, playing good, sound, fundamental football, and we'll see what the uh, the final brings.
0: You mentioned the fact that they like to spread you out. Is that a concern at all for you, seeing as, you know, you obviously run the wing T. Westmoreland ran the wing T last night, so maybe you don't get to see this, the spread offense as much?
3: Yeah, and, you know, we made a point – uh with some of the teams that we played in preseason, uh, Cookville, uh, even though Greenwood is a, is a base wing team, they tend to spread you out. Uh, they go trips a lot. And then uh, Stone Memorial spreads you out. So we made sure to show our kids that. And we did fairly well in the passing league scrimmages that we went to. So we're hoping that we can contain that limit their passes keep passes in front of us and rally and uh you know trust that we'll have we we always attempt to have the the fewer mistakes have the higher percentage of successful plays knowing that a kid at any given time could drop a ball fumble a ball you know throw an interception and uh we'll just keep swarming keep rallying and keep doing what it is that that we do
0: and to be fair, Coach Inman, you did have a pick six last night. You had, I think, you had one or two sacks, a few quarterback hits. So your defense can clearly get to the quarterback if you if they are asked to do that. Coach Inman, I really, I really thank you for joining me today. Congratulations on your big win last night. Your first win as Portland head coach. I'm sure there's going to be more to come, and we'll catch up down the road.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you very much.
0: Up next on Coach Speak is our Week Two Pick'em. This is a column that everyone at Main Street Preps does. That you can see at any time on MainStreetPreps.com. I know Brady and I enjoy this Pick'em column so much. It's just fun to kind of dive into into these previews, into these games, just a little bit, and try to just give a little bit of insight to the fans. Don't you think, Brady?
1: It's so much fun, man. I mean, it it, it gives you a chance to sit here and and play expert almost. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. know about you, but I sure feel like an expert last week after I went five and one in my county picks.
0: You know what? I, listen, I hardly ever feel like an expert, but I was also the same way. Five and one. When Brady or excuse me, when Russell told me we went, I went six and four in the mid-state pick'em, I thought, uh, that's not a real expert. But we're only sticking to Sumner County for this podcast. So don't worry about the mid-state pick'ems. Uh but for but for this week, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna start it off with Beach. Like I said, I I'll just go in alphabetical order. Uh they've got Henry County at home uh this week. And you're thinking Beach, Henry County, how does that game how does that game come about? Well, let me tell you this. 2021 marks the 10th time these two teams have met on the gridiron since 2011. Wow. Henry County holds a 5-4 and four record against the Bucks, but it's Beach who enters the contest on a two-year streak against the Patriots. Through nine contests since 2011, Henry County has outscored the Bucks 242-204 to 204, with the most significant margin of victory for either team coming in 2013 when the Patriots defeated the Bucks 41-20. to 20. And since that game, the margin of victory drops to nearly six points per contest. Cool. So what that tells me is we're gonna have another classic. And so I think a back and forth ball game, Henry County coming off a loss against Summit, Beach coming off a win. I think Beach is just listen, I, I like their team. I like their team every year. Their coaching staff does a really good job. I've mentioned that time and time again, but it's true. And and I think Henry County's coaches do do a great job, but making the trip down the down, you know. Down to beach, a long, a long travel game. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stick with the Bucks here,
1: 21-17. Man, and uh, I know that Montgomery County is probably going to be rooting hard for the Bucks in that one because, you know, to put it nicely, they don't care too much for Henry County. If if I Um, learned
0: anything from our full count, uh, or excuse me, our full court press podcast, which you can check out during the winter for our basketball season, it's that Clarksville does not like Henry County
1: at no. all. <laughs> and then the feeling is mutual there. So uh, I think Beach is, is going to have a little extra support coming from Clarksville this week. Um, but looking at, at my games, uh, I'm going to kick it off looking at uh, North, Northeast, uh, who is was 1-0 after that win against West Creek. Uh, they're headed to Montgomery Central, who um, – is going to be playing their first game after uh, losing week one when uh, Sycamore had a COVID outbreak. So this is the first game for Montgomery Central, and I think that's going to be um, a little bit of an advantage for them, but it's also a disadvantage, you know, because that's just one less week of in-game experience that this team has, whereas Northeast has already got a game on the gridiron, under the lights, uh, out of their belts. Um, But it also means that Northeast doesn't have any film on Montgomery Central. They don't exactly know what to expect, um and uh you know they're going on the road Cunningham isn't too much of a drive uh for northeast uh I I live decently close to the school and for me it's about you know 30 35 minute drive so you know that's that's very very doable you know just a quick little bus drive over listen to a quick uh quick playlist um I don't know how many play how many albums are uh, 30 minutes I know you're probably not going to get a Kanye album or anything in in that time (laughs) but uh um I think what what Makes me comfortable picking Northeast in this one is they have a big advantage in athleticism over Montgomery Central. Montgomery Central is a very well-coached team. Uh, they've got an identity. They're, you know, they're going to play smashmouth football. They're going to run the ball down your throats. Um, but Northeast just has some incredible athletes, and I don't think Montgomery Central is going to be able to keep up with them too much. Um, I have Montgomery Central holding them. I guess if you want to say, you know, this is holding, quote unquote, uh, to 37 points because they do play slower paced, So I don't see Montgomery or uh, rather Northeast getting up to 60 like they did this past week. So, um, but I'm still going to take them 37 to 14. A safe bet, I feel like. Uh, moving
0: on, moving on down the list for Sumner County, uh, we've uh, we got to hit on Gallatin Blackman. This game is not going to get played mm-hmm. due to a COVID outbreak at Gallatin High School. Uh, Gallatin will not receive a loss. Um, and that's good. They it basically be like this game wasn't even scheduled because it's not even a region game, it was the only a dream, time, yeah, exactly. And the only time you get a, a win loss, or you don't even get a loss, but the only time you get a win for a COVID outbreak game if it's a region game, and that's only for seeding purposes. It doesn't actually go on your record. So if there's a tie at the end of the season, the team that was able to play the game will get the tiebreaker over the team that wasn't able to play the game. Listen, COVID is it is running rampant through the mid-state. There has been cancellations all, you know, all across last week, this week, down to Chattanooga. I just recently saw um, that Warren County and White County got postponed due to COVID. So – Listen, this is a problem that is not going away. I don't expect it to go away anytime soon. How can we adapt? How can we live with it? I'm not really sure, but unfortunately, Gallatin and Blackman will not get played this
1: week. Yeah, very unfortunate. Um, Now, another unfortunate situation we got here is a game that probably will be played, and it's probably not going to be pretty. Uh, We have the Rossview Hawks, a team that we talked about last week having just five seniors they had kind of an ugly game against uh against wilson central they only able to score three points and zach i regret to inform you they are going to riverdale this week Um, so you know that's uh that's kind of self-explanatory what i think is going to happen here Rossview is still kind of picking up the pieces from losing a lot of really good, talented players from a playoff team last year. Uh, they're really still figuring out the offense. The defense is, isn't bad. You know, Holden Wilson Central is 17, not terrible. But, I mean, this is Riverdale, man. This is one of the top teams in in our, in our the mid-state. We, uh, we have them ranked number eight in the Main Street Preps, top 25. And uh, this this shouldn't hurt them too much. I, I think Riverdale's taking this one 45-0. Yeah, that's...
0: Uh... Yeah, Riverdale is just you know those Rutherford County teams. They're just on a different level than a lot of teams. And yeah. you know R- Riverdale's star studded with with Power Five talent. And yeah, I mean it could be one of those games that gets away early for, from Rossview and in, in mm-hmm. a game for Riverdale that you see some some JV players get some action. So uh, you know it's one of those games where you just hope that everybody can can leave uh, uninjured. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Get back on the bus in one piece. Exactly. So, uh, listen, moving on to, to Sumner County, let's look at Hendersonville at South Warren uh, in Kentucky. Um, there's not a whole lot I know about South Warren. I I did do my research. I tried to find as many videos as I could on max preps and I was able to find some. Um, and what I was able to find is they like to spread you out on defense. They like to run a lot of five wide set or four wide set with one back and, uh, they're back from the, from the sky cam. He looked shifty. He looked fast. Um, You know, they look like they run very crisp routes. I saw them burn the team that they played in week one on a couple stop-and-goes. So, you know, they're they're very technical in their route running. And so I think this could be a tough game for Hendersonville. Listen, you're coming off a really tough loss at Oakland. How much are you licking your wounds? Um, How much are you just, you know, hurting going into this game? And so, listen, being at home, it shouldn't be a far travel. I mean, Hendersonville to Bowling Green is an hour, hour and a half. It's not far. It's not like it's. They're going to be on the road long, but being at home, I don't really know a whole lot about about the Spartans. Talking about South Warren, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to pick I'm going to pick South Warren to win this contest. I've got them winning 35 28 in a one possession game. Um, not to hedge my bets, but it wouldn't surprise me if Hendersonville won. But just for the record purposes, I am still sticking with South
1: Warren 35 28. Yeah, and you figure with that being a uh, an out of state team that could potentially be an easy game for Hendersonville to look past, you know? Absolutely. And, and listen, you know, I, I don't think, I, I agree with you. I do
0: think it's a possibility to look past that game because guess who looms the next week for Hendersonville? It's the battle for Drake's Creek. Yep. Beach comes to town. So, but listen, James Beasley is as good of a coach as there is in the mid-state. I'm sure yep. he will have his guys ready to play. Um, but like I said, being at, being at home for South Warren, like I said, they like to spread you out. I just, I just, I feel like the, the Spartans could could walk away victorious
1: in this one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so looking at my next game, we have um, a battle between two teams who kind of had ugly week ones. Uh, West Creek is visiting Northwest, and uh, they both had um, double digit losses, running clock losses. Um, so this game should be interesting because of that. You know, it's 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 always fun to see two teams go up against each other where you know. You don't know how many wins they're going to get, so that they, you, you'd almost expect them to play a little bit harder in this one, you know, because you know this is a very winnable game for both teams. Um, now, I think West Creek has a bit of an advantage because uh, their head coach James Figueroa has uh, been their coach for longer, um, whereas. Um, coach, um, I'm totally blanking on his name right now, uh, Ronaldo Pena for Northwest is still in his first year. He just coached his first game with them. Um, and West Creek did have a bit of a better game against um, what I believe is a better team in uh, Northeast than uh, North, that Northwest had against Stewart County. Um, so for that reason, I am leading West Creek. They've got some very good athletes. They made some really good plays. Their quarterback, Caden Pace, made some great throws to Quentin Wagner, six, two wide receiver who can go up and get it. And uh Kaven Roberson, another wide receiver who real shifty, real speedy. He can get down the field. Um, so I do like West Creek's offense in that sense. Um, I've got them scoring 28 points. Um, whereas Northwest doesn't necessarily have that kind of firepower yet. They've got some very good players like Raymond Rodarte, uh, their quarterback who can really sling the ball, uh, but they do have to protect him. And uh, that's going to be a big question for them this season. Getting the ball in his playmaker's hands could be a challenge. Um, and uh, I still think they'll be able to score because West Creek's defense ain't all that, as we saw with a 62-point game against Northeast. Um, but I do have West Creek taking this one,
0: 28-15. That's fair. That's fair. I think that's a solid pick. Uh, moving over to Portland High School, again, they're playing. It, there's a trend this week, Brady. Uh, a lot of teams that I'm not familiar with. This mm-hmm. is another game. Portland welcomes in East Hamilton uh, out of West Tennessee. Uh, the Hurricanes are 1-0. Following their victory last week, I do know after speaking with Coach Inman, East Hamilton likes to spread you out. They are a spread team, and uh, they will they will pitch it around the football field a lot come Friday night. Um, other than that, I'm not very familiar with them. Uh, but what I am familiar with is Portland, and I know Portland. There's just a different feel there than in years past, and there's a there's a sense of just just a never give up attitude. They're going to scratch. They're going to claw. They're going to give you everything they have. Uh, for the entire four quarters, listen. It could have gone south in a hurry last week against Westmoreland when they scored 14 unanswered. But for them to be able to bounce back the way that they did, I know they were able to to take advantage of a of, of a of a break uh, of a miscue by Westmoreland. But still, being able to take advantage of that, being able to uh, complete a six yard pass play with under 30 seconds left, being able to run up to the line of scrimmage, spike the ball with 2.3 seconds left, the headsiness uh, of their of their team, I think allows me to lean towards them. So, listen, I'm going to pick Portland in a a close contest, but I am anxious to see, excuse me, how this one shakes out. But I've got Portland winning 28-24 over East Hamilton.
1: Great, great. And uh, sticking with this trend of not knowing much about opponents, um, I'm going to jump ahead to Clarksville Academy's game. They are heading to face the Webb School Feet, one of the more interesting mascots in Tennessee, if I say so myself um web school also had a COVID uh, cancellation last week so they did not play um that's another theme that we've kind of seen today uh, unfortunately yeah. um they were supposed to face red boiling springs it was canceled so uh this is also going to be their season opener which means what little i would have known about them i know even less uh because they're O and Um, But Clarksville Academy, I do know about, and they are 1-0. And they had a pretty good game uh, last week against First Assembly Christian, um, winning that one 30-10, of course. It shows me that their offense has guys who can go out and they can score the ball. They've got um, enough confidence in their guys to let them get touches, get a chance to go out, run run a little bit, throw a little bit. And um, for that reason, um, I'm going to just kind of go based off my gut here. I know Webb was not very good last year. Um, Obviously, things change year to year, but that's really the only information I've got on them as as of now. So I'm going to take Clarksville Academy to start 2-0, winning this one 28-17. Moving over to Pope Prep, they welcome in a homeschool
0: team out of Memphis this Friday night in the Pure Youth Alliance. Um, I try to do my research. I did find out that they took uh, Bartlett to OT last week. Mm. I'll find this out after I post my pick them. (laughs) <laughs> uh, because you know of course I try to go on Coach T to or and their website to figure out who they played wh- anything about them I couldn't find anything they're not listed on Coach T so it's not like you can click on them to see like previous weeks or other sports or things of that nature um so I really don't know a whole lot about them other than I like I said I just found out that they took Bartlett to overtime last week so clearly they can score some points but hey I've already posted my pick them I've got to stick with it. I think this is a game, regardless. I think this is a game where you see a lot of JV players for Pope early and often. So I'm picking Pope to win easily 49 to zero.
1: Shut out. All right. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. I'll, well, I'll, I'll hold you to it. I went to their,
0: listen, I went to the Pure Youth Alliance website and on their front page, it says their football team and it's got a picture of three players. So i was like, <laughs> you know, so I, I
1: yeah, that's, they're probably not the deepest team. So, I, I, I listen,
0: in the way that Pope was able to execute last week against Hillsboro, they went up 49-7. Listen, Kenny Minchie is a future Division I Power 5 quarterback. Elijah Robb could be a, a Saturday player, may not be FBS, but will certainly play on Saturdays. Colin Cook, their re- leading receiver, may not be FBS, but he'll certainly go somewhere. You can bank on that. Um, listen, this is a Pope team that could make a lot of noise. I picked them to go to the semifinals in the preseason for my preview. Uh, if they could just get their secondary figured out, their defensive backfield, that they could be scary.
1: So I, I'm sticking with them 49 nothing. Yeah, phase and pope Prep definitely not a walk in the park by any means. Uh, next game is one that will appeal to uh, people who are familiar with Tommy Bryan, our guy in Wilson Central, as the Green Hill Hawks are headed to Kenwood this week. Now I mentioned Kenwood's offense is just absolutely ridiculous. They put up over 60 points last week. I mean, they've got an unbelievable combination um, between quarterback Jalen Washington, who is in his third year starting as a senior with a couple of really good wide receivers in Corbin Howard and Contavious Barnes. They've got a couple pretty good running backs too with Keontae Scholl and Sean Johnson. That's just a hard team to stop, man. They got some pretty good offensive linemen too. Like they're just going to, they're going to score their points and basically it's up to you to keep up with them. Uh, I know Green Hill's got some good football players, Uh, obviously one of the storylines around them has been that they've kind of been poaching good players from other schools in the area ever since they got built two years ago. Um, But Green Hill did lose last week. Um, I believe they played Siegel, if I remember correctly, who, you know, good football team, not the greatest. And that's not to say Kenwood is the greatest team either because, you know, um, they don't really have that reputation quite yet. Um, They're looking to build it up, but it's it's not there. Um, But regardless, I've talked as much as I can about just how good their offense is. And um I think they're gonna score forty points and Green Hill's gonna be able to score too because Kenwood's defense is still a little bit of a work in progress. Um, but I, I have Green Hill scoring twenty one. Um so a forty to twenty one win for Kenwood. Um I just I, I I believe in them this year if you if you can't tell. No, absolutely. Uh it
0: sounds like an offense to believe in. I mean anytime you can put up that many points it's hard mm-hmm. to it's hard to overlook them. Yeah. Uh, Looking at it, look at it station camp, I, as we mentioned at the start of the show, uh, congratulations to them for snapping uh, their 24-game regular season losing streak that dates back all the way to 2018 with their 14-7 win at White House. Um, they've, they're walking in Hillsborough this week, and, man, they're going to get a pissed-off Hillsborough team. I mean, we just mentioned how they got completely dominated at Pope Prep, so you know that Brent Alexander's crew is going to get the absolute best from an Anthony Brown-led Hillsboro team. Um, before the season started, I marked this as a loss for the Bison, and Hillsboro, coming off of last week doesn't do much to change that for me in favor of Station Camp. I've said it many times, Brady, I think Station Camp is a much-improved football team. They showed that last week by getting a win. I think they're actually going to make the playoffs this year. said that in my preseason team preview of them, uh, but I think Friday's contest is going to be proved to be too difficult. While I do think Station Camp will have some success on offense, look for Hillsborough to win 24-14. to
1: yeah, it's never a good time when you're uh, facing a team who uh, was, uh, you know, it, it, again, kind of a cliche, um, but they they kind of were a, a bear that got poked. You Absolutely. know, they're going to, they're, they're not going to be very happy this week. They're going to be coming out ready to uh, sink their teeth into some meat. Um, but my final game, uh, we talked to head coach Isaac Shelby already. This is going to be Springfield at Clarksville. Both teams are 1-0, coming off some pretty good wins this week. Um, Isaac mentioned Dustin Wilson knows what he's doing, and I'm just so excited to see this coaching matchup between Dustin Wilson and Isaac. Uh, these are two just really good coaches, two of the better coaches you're going to get in the mid state, and um, with two very long standing programs. I think he said this is the 97th meeting yep. between these two teams. I mean, that's just insane, man. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. got to be older than. I would guess every listener, maybe not every newspaper reader, but everyone who uh, is listening to podcasts is probably younger than 97, I would think. Uh, If you're not, please tweet me. I want to meet you. Um, But that said, um, I think this is going to be a close game, Um, but I am going to give Springfield just a bit of the leg up here because Clarksville is kind of still getting used to life without a starting quarterback at the moment. Um, you know they've got good athletes, as we saw. Sean Bowling scored three touchdowns last week. Um, he's a very good player. I think he could score another two, another three, even. Um, but I do think Springfield is gonna just barely edge out the Wildcats, twenty-one to fourteen. I'm gonna mess up our flow here a little bit, Brady.
0: I told you before we started that I had seven games. I wasn't counting talking about Gallatin, so I'll, I'll wrap up our, our pickums with with back-to-back games. Uh, the sure. first one, the first one being Westmoreland versus Macon County. Listen, if you don't know about this game, this is as true of a rivalry as there is in, in, in the midstate. These two teams do not like each other one bit, uh, and I expect Friday night to be a knockdown, dragout football game that that will go into the fourth quarter. Macon County, a four A team, but listen, Westmoreland showed that they can compete with anybody. Portland is a five A team, and they took them to the wire. Westmoreland may be a two A program, but they are one of the best two A programs in the state. Um. So, with that being said, at Westmoreland, coming off of the loss, I'm picking the Eagles to edge out making County 17-14. to 14. But, again, this is just wow. going to be a fun, fun game for whoever decides to tr- make the travel to Westmoreland.
1: Um, in closing, and out our- if, if, if you're going to throw a punch, make sure the other guy doesn't have his helmet on listen let's not let's not advocating let's not advocate for physical violence here brady uh i don't
0: i don't think we want to i don't think we want to go down that route uh, right right. So i'm just thinking th- of
1: the classic courtland finnegan andre johnson yeah i, I know oh, you remember yes. that
0: one. yeah so um but, let's don't, not but do, don't punch let's not, any don't punch anybody though yeah helmet or not let's let's not throw any punches listen you don't want to have to miss the next game or the next two games because the tws might suspend you for two okay. games and listen that's not being a team player. At the end of the day, yeah. you know the NFL guys; they can get their fine and come back, but uh, but high school is a little bit a little bit more serious. So let's try to let's try to keep our emotions in check, right, Brady?
1: Yeah, keep it to keep, keep it to talking a little bit of crap and uh, don't get any yeah, listen, hey, either, man. Keep your keep your head on. Listen, if you want to talk mess, talk your mess, but be prepared to
0: back it up. That's all I got to say. Oh yeah, uh, listen and closing closing our out today for our pickem. We've got White House on the road at Greenbrier. Both of these teams are 0-1. Greenbrier shut out last week at Springfield. Whitehouse, of course, losing 14-7 to Station Camp. Uh, listen, this is an old rivalry game that dates back to, to being in the same region uh, before this season goes. I think Greenbrier's Derek Taylor may be the best player on the field. He mixed that with being at Greenbrier, and I'm leaning toward the Bobcats here. I'm not sure if White House is still going to be missing so many pieces due to COVID like they were last week. Uh, but there's just not a ton of depth for White House. Um, They go really strong with their first 11. There's no doubt about that. But once once their depth starts trying to get worked in, I think it kind of drops off a little bit. So with that being said, I think Derek Taylor makes a couple plays on defense and leads the Bobcats to a
1: 14-7 victory over the Blue Devils. And there you have it. That is all of our picks. Um, hopefully we uh... – we can each maybe get an undefeated round this week. We'll see. Um, but make sure you join us next week. We'll uh, talk all about these uh, these picks that we had, see how we did. Um, we're going to have some more coaches for you. We're going to go over our next week picks. We're going to have some more players of the week for you. Uh, so thanks again for tuning in to uh, Coach Speak. This has been Episode 2 with Brady and Zach. We look forward to hearing from you uh, again from you next week. See you, everybody.
0: You've been listening to Coach Speak. With Brady and Zach, the latest in high school football from Montgomery and Sumner Counties. For more on high school sports in Middle Tennessee, visit MainStreetPreps.com.